The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, WWE Hall of Famer Mark Henry and I talk to another future Hall of Famer, and that is Mickey James joins us. Also, Mickey not only talks about her career, but takes some phone calls from the Busted Open Nation. That's really exciting. Also, we go back to Wednesday night with AEW and the debut of the Total Package. Jade Cargill. Mark gives his thoughts on her debut. All that right now on the Busted Open Podcast. We need a jingle for this show. We need somebody to create a Busted Open jingle. Hmm. What do you think, Ed? Jingle? Like if somebody come up with a theme song for Busted Open. Like, like a Golden theme song Girls. Or yeah. a bona fide jingle, like an old school radio. No, somebody jingle. come up with a song for Busted Open oh, that incorporates want, all our names. You don't want one of those Busted Open in the morning. No, 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 no. I don't no? want that. I okay. want like a theme song, like an entrance theme song, but for our show that we can play at the top of every show. Dun, 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 dun. His name is Dave. Dun, 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 dun. He's got three co-hosts. Dun, 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 dun. Bully, Mark Henry, and Tommy Dream. Dun, dun, dun. And the producer's name is Ed. <laughs> and we got Gabby. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's She's a hell of a show. Gabby. <laughs> they spar with LaBar. Boom, boom. But it doesn't go far. (laughs) All right. Enough of the shenanigans because our guest is here, Mark. Come on now. Show us the decorum. Decorum for crying out loud. I have none. We welcome in on a Falls Count Anywhere Uh, Friday, the one and only Mickey James. Mickey, how are you this morning? Oh, well, good morning. Good morning. I have to be honest. I don't have a stitch of makeup on because guess what? Don't need it. I love you, Mark. Look at you. Look at you in all your glory. I love you so much. I thought it's It's 10 o'clock in Nashville. So I was thinking... And then I realized it's, you know, 11 o'clock Eastern because this is where my, you know... Sometimes blonde brain, I guess. I don't have a blonde brain, but sometimes I get it all mixed up. And so here we are. Join the club. I thought I had an extra hour. And then so I don't have any makeup on. I was like, oops. You don't need it. There's some people that need makeup. There are people. You're not one of them. (laughs) You're not one of them. (laughs) <laughs> I'm just saying, there's some ugly people out there in this world. Oh, man. Mark, it's a Friday. It's a feel-good Friday, Mark, you know. But you not know what, Not everyone can be blessed to be as handsome as you. Well, this I'm is... not. I don't consider myself to be a handsome guy. I got talent. 
I got bound talent, not good looks. You're a handsome man, Mark. What? Well, thank you, Mickey. Coming yes. from you, you, that's like your sister giving you a kiss on the cheek. I think you're a handsome man, and you're always so kind and complimentary, but and you're very honest in your compliments. You're not like a bullshit complimenter. You're like a very honest, genuine complimentary person. Well, thank. And you're very, you. very smart, but you're very, you're very handsome. Especially when you scrub up, you know what I mean? When you get ready for them Hall of Famous. <laughs> and, and Mickey, you're awesome in the ring. You're a fantastic. See, not good with time zones, but, you know, not everyone. Terrible with time management everyone can be together. I mean, that is a track record for me. <laughs> so, time management skills. So, Mickey, this is going to be fun because you're going to be on with us for a whole hour. So, oh, okay. Um, did Bless you not know heart. that? No, no. You didn't know that. She didn't it's get okay, though. You didn't good. get the memo? She's got a you coffee, have the I got a link. <laughs> I got a link. And, hey, can okay. you do Busted Open on Friday? And I got a link. And I said, yeah. Okay. Well, we're going to have you on for an hour. So you have no choice because yeah. we promoted it as such. So you're going to okay, be Okay, good. Here we go. Okay. You're going to be interviewed by Mark and I. And if you're cool with it as well, we're opening up the phone lines. We'll take some phone calls with the nation to talk to you as oh, well. Wow. Are you cool okay. with that? All yeah, right, so for sure. we're going to do that. 877-344-4893, 877-FIGHT93. If you want to join the show, give us a call. We have Mickey James here with us for the entire hour. Um, but, Mickey, like, there's so much always going on with you. So, like, you know, with Gaw TV and your music career and your wrestling career, it's like – and, you're, you know uh, – you know, you have a family. You're married to a world champion for crying out loud. Where do you find the time to do all of this? Uh, it's a balance, honestly. And, and it's really, you know, right now, Donovan just went into school. He went out of kindergarten this year. So that's a whole wow. new thing of like, you know, because I do want him to have that structure and normalcy in his life, even if my life is insane, you know. So, but, <laughs> but it's, it's crazy, it, it, but it really, you have to make it work and it takes you know, a village and, and I'm sure Mark knows like it just, you have to have your foundation and your people around you that really want to like lift you up and support you in order to be able to shine and do those things that you need to, that you really want to do. You know what I mean? And because what you can't do is allow it to sacrifice. Like I can't, if it was ever at a point where Donovan was being compromised or sacrificed, like his well being or his future, then that would be a very big problem for me. But fortunately it, that doesn't happen. And he, you know, we just embrace it as kind of like our little crazy life. Well, you, you talked about Donovan's life and Donovan's future. And I said early in the show, Donovan Aldis has no choice but to be a world champion wrestler. His oh, mom, his dad, is <laughs> both world champion wrestlers, and his name is Taylor Made to be it champion. It is a great name. Yes. Donovan Aldis, world heavyweight champion. Man, that just sounds good. Like, and, it and does sound he, good. Oh. His personality is anything like you and Dick's. Oh my He's god! He's a goofball. This one, he can't. He keeps me on my toes. <laughs> keeps me on my toes. He's always he he tells told me the other day. He goes, "Mommies and daddies are not the boss. Okay, I'm the boss. I I run the show." And I'm like. What? Okay, that's because he said this obviously has come through conversations we've had where I'm like, I don't know why you think you're the boss when I'm clearly the, I've run the show here. Okay. 
So you can think you're the boss, but you're not the boss. But this is now flipped back on me. So when he woke up, what then? What did he say? (laughs) (laughs) Hit him with that super with that that spinning survive kick. Oh yeah, I wish it was more like, "Hey, I'm putting your toys in toy jail. How about that?" Oh man, that's the worst. When you start taking stuff away, huh? When you start taking stuff away. That's that's when you get some. That's when you get that daddy re, mommy respect. <laughs> right. I, I can't hit, put him in timeout. It's like whatever. He gets a little irritated, but he's just like, I'm not sitting here in timeout. Whatever. Put the toys in toy jail. It's like a real situation. So if you have like <laughs> any parents out there, toy jail is winning for me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, it doesn't even have to be kids. I remember doing that with my ex-wife. All right, so Mickey, let me ask. <laughs> Let me go. Let me ask it. <laughs> I'm sorry. It was Let me out of the basement, asshole. <laughs> I wasn't talking about that. I was talking about toy jail. Um, <laughs> oh. oh, snap. Damn. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Mickey, so, uh, so, so you look at your wrestling career. I mean, I always say you're a first battle Hall of Famer, uh, you know, multi-time world champion, you know, WrestleManias, your music career, award-winning with your music career. Like, is there, like, for you, no, but, but I'm, just, I'm throwing out facts. So, so for you, you know, what do you prefer more? Because, you know, I, you love to perform, whether it's in the ring or on the microphone. What's your preference between the two? Um, you know, that's really hard. I don't think I have – I love both of them equally, and I don't know why – Like, I feel like a lot of people believe that if you have a passion for another thing that, oh, now you've become unpassionate or or you've lost your passion and the thing that you your original quote unquote love. And I don't believe that I I do. I've always done music like I was very blessed and fortunate to find wrestling because I was a wrestling fan. But I, I never even realized that there was such thing as a wrestling school until I found one, you know, um, but I had ridden horses all my life. I had played the violin since I was in fifth, uh, fifth grade, you know, like music, we like music was always a part of my life. So I never, I just never thought I was talented enough at music to actually do it. I've always loved it. I just never thought I was any good at it. Whereas wrestling, I wasn't good at it at first and it took me a while to get good at it, but I thought, Oh, this is something that I could excel at because I was, I trained horses all my life. So I was very, um, I, one, I'm, I'm, I hate to lose. I'm, I'm very, very like, I I am competitive. I don't like to lose, but I grew, we grew up showing horses. So then I grew up competing all, you know, I started riding when I was four all the way up till I competed every week, every, uh, summer, in horse shows and stuff like that against, you know, top professional horse trainers and stuff up until I was like 16, 17 years old, you know? So it was all, I was always competitive in that aspect. So I just, I thought that wrestling, I was something that I could excel at, even though I didn't have any like gymnastics background or anything like that. Um, plus I, I was a wrestling fan. So I knew the moves. I loved it. I knew how to be a character because I'd practiced those promos in the commercial breaks. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, but I love them both. I think they both allow me to like release two separate sides of my personality and like what's going on with me. Whereas wrestling is all like animated and you can 
portray this character and you can dive into a character and really like find those nuances music allows me just to dive into my soul and like pull into like my own personal experiences when I'm writing or my friends experiences or who have like lived vicariously through, but also you're like super vulnerable, right? Like, because you are yourself on stage as a musician, whereas I am, it's my name, Mickey James, but I'm portraying a character, a version of Mickey James that I'd probably sometimes want to be, if it's a bad guy, sometimes want to be in real life, but I just can't because sometimes I'm too nice. Aww. Except for those couple little times when I'm not that nice. Mickey, <laughs> I, I find I'm around a lot of musicians and I find the commonality between them is they all feel as good as they are. They always, when you play one of their songs, like if I play one of your hits right now, you would probably go, oh, man, like I wish I had Violet. Like, why, why is that with musicians that they hear their voice and they hear their music and the art and they, they feel like it's not good enough? It's not good enough because there's a little always just like in the mat. Like, it's the same, Mark, as like when we go back and we watch our matches. I have yet to watch one of my matches back to be like, oh, that was a great match. That was so great. That was a really great match. Every time I watch one of my matches back, I've done the same. I'm just, we are our own worst critics, right? Like just as I think uh, creative people or like, you know, we're so competitive too. Like we just demand the best from ourselves. But like I watch my matches back and I'm like, Ooh, why did I do that there? Or like, what was that? Like, I can't stand to watch my matches back. It's as bad as watching bad wrestling when I watch my matches back. Oh it's no. Like, it's, <laughs> it's like, get it's out like, of here. <laughs> So, so not that my I matches was, are bad wrestling. I'm just saying, like I watch them with the same with with lens. that kind of look. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, me and Big Show were driving recently, and we talked to Dave on that drive, and we were listening to you know we always whenever we drive we listen to a variety of music, and we just happened to be on this 50 mile portion of country music, and he's like, you ever heard Mickey James? Uh, album and I said yeah I heard her music before but just like in clips and he's like hey you need to hear this song so he played a song for me and I was like damn wow man I mean she 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 should she, she could have just been a, a musician like Aww. that's pretty damn special man I, I'm I was so honored to know you after hearing that song, and I, now I'm about to call show and ask him what the name of that song. But Aww. you just said that you played a violin. And I did. I don't play it anymore. I played it all growing up. I played it from um, fifth grade. Well, pretty much, yeah. Fifth grade all the way up through almost my, I want to say my sophomore year or my graduating year. I may have played it a little bit. You know what happened is I got picked on because it was a nerdy thing to do. And I was a super nerd in school. Bastards. Fucking kids. Bastards. I remember walking, getting on my bus one day. And the boy, one of the boys tripped me up as I'm walking down the bus, middle bus, because we're in the country, you know. So I trip up and I take a face bump on my violin case. <laughs> Nerd oh alert. Gosh. That was me. And my favorite instrument is the violin. I love it. And my favorite country song of all time, The Devil Went Down to Georgia. Charlie the Daniels. Whole, the whole basis of the song is the violin and the fiddle. Yeah. And there's a lot of similarities in the violin and the fiddle. And I, I just... 
I just thought that, wow, what an unbelievable song. And to hear you play that instrument, I was, you know what I was going to do? I was going to say, you know, at some point, you got to pull the violin out and play something for me. <laughs> yeah, I wish I could still, I could probably play Mary Had a Little Lamb. Funny Charlie Daniels story. I went to go see him before he passed, God rest his soul. Um, I was happening to do like a toy drive or something in California. And at the casino that I was staying at, he was actually playing. He was playing that night and wow. I've never seen Charlie Daniels live. And I'm like, Oh my God. Well, a friend of mine, Don Grubbs, I'll give him a shout out here. Uh, Don Grubbs is his PR. So, and I knew that. And, and I'm like, so I text Don, I'm like, Charlie Daniels is here at this casino that I'm at. He's like, Oh sweet. You want to go to the show? And I'm like, yeah, I was sitting front row. And <laughs> Hell yeah. Like, and if you've never been to a Charlie Daniels concert, you can imagine there's a, a whole eclectic range of people that I'm sitting with, but I'm sitting by myself, like kind of like whatever. I do the meet and greet like a fan and totally do the like the picture beside him, like, oh, I'm at but then, and this was, I mean, this was just like last year to year before Like This wasn't like, you know, 10 years ago. This was like legit. I'm like, I'll have to send you guys the picture, but he was playing. He's crazy. Like to watch someone play. There's another girl, friend of mine. Her name is Renee and she's an astounding fiddle player or um, Lindsay Sterling. If you ever heard her stuff, one of the greatest fiddle players I've ever heard. Uh, she plays more the violin, but you know, it's the same instrument. It's all in how you play it. Right. Anyway, he threw me his bow, his bow that he was playing because it lost too many. He, he, a couple strings were hanging. And so he tossed it to me. It was signed and everything. I got it. Oh man. I got his bow. (gasps) He passed away a few months later after that. But you know, and I had never always wanted to see him. One of my favorite songs of all time, especially the fiddle. Like I remember learning the violin in school and my, violin teacher could play that song and so i started to learn that a little bit and pink panther i could not play the whole thing but she could play the whole thing like nailed it i'm like yeah you know you know fans are gonna call you now they're gonna say listen i want charlie daniels bow i guarantee you getting it ever that right there oh my gosh man that's like sitting there going man i got to hang out with uh, Stevie Wonder, and he he gave me his his uh, his harp. That's crazy! I can't believe that Stevie, you have that. Do you want to hear a funny Stevie Wonder joke? Uh oh! Not yes. a joke, not a joke. It's a real story that happened to me. Okay. Okay. It's not a joke. No joke. I never joke about Stevie Wonder. I love Stevie Wonder. So this is so stupid. I felt like an idiot, but we're all, I think Nick Donovan and I were all getting ready to go maybe home to England for his um, parents, whatever holidays or something. And we're in the airport and we're going through, and this is Richmond airport. So Mark, you've probably been through Richmond airport, David. I don't know if you've ever been, but it's a small airport and, but they run a tight ship. That's one of my favorite airports. I get in. That's why, you know, one of the reasons why I stayed there for so long is because I love that airport and it's just so simple for me. But anyway, going through a B security. Right. And I like, all of a sudden I start to hear this commotion. Like people are like, you know, and I'm like, what in the world is going on? And I look over and they're opening up a separate lane, like a separate lane that was closed before. So somebody special must be coming through. So here I'm thinking like, Oh, it's gotta be like, 
I don't know, somebody important. Chris Brown lives in, you know, he lives outside of Richmond. I'm like, he probably flies out of the private airport. Okay, whatever. I look over and I'm like, and as he's coming through, I go, Stevie motherfucking wonder. Like that. (laughs) (laughs) It was Stevie wonder. It was Stevie wonder. I went, I had no words. Did he hear you? I was in the presence of greatness. I'm like, (laughs) did he he hear you? I see this guy walk up to him and he's like, hello, Mr. Wonder. (laughs) Hello, Mr. Wonder. I grew up with your stuff and it was the greatest. And I'm like, all I could do is, and you can see his security people and even Stevie pop because I was too nervous to ask Mr. Wonder for an autograph, but I was like stalking them <laughs> to see which gate he was going to go to because I considered it, but I couldn't get past <laughs> Stevie motherfucking Wonder. <laughs> I, I had that same moment too, but it was Carrot Top. Hi, this is Adam Shine. The Adam Shine Podcast is back for another football season. I'll give you my passionate, hard-hitting takes every week, including picks against the spread and fantasy football advice, all while talking to the biggest guests in all the sports, celebrities, media personalities, diehard football fans on a weekly basis. It's the Adam Shine Podcast with new episodes dropping on Tuesdays. You can listen to the podcast anytime with the SiriusXM app, iTunes, Pandora, and with Stitcher. Callers, if you are crass, I'm going to kick your ass. There you go. You be gentle in your delivery with my friend. Okay, let's take some calls. All right, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's go to Bama Dave. Bama Dave, you got a question for Mickey? I do. Mickey James, it's an absolute honor and a privilege to be on the phone with you. Oh, thank you. Absolutely. I remember when you debuted in the Ruthless Aggression era, and I said, this girl is going to be a star, and man, did you prove us right. You are a first ballot Hall of Famer, and I cannot wait to uh, see you walk across that stage and take your rightful place where you belong. Oh, you're sweet. Wow. Thank you very much. I appreciate Emma it. Emma Dave, oh. look at Emma Dave. <laughs> Boy, you made me a, happy. I, I, I'm from the South, Mark. I know how to treat a lady. Amen. <laughs> Mickey, my question for you is, when you look at your career and all the different nuances and all the adaptations of it, every uh, female wrestler brings something unique to the game and brings something unique to the legacy of women's wrestling. What would you say is the things that are unique and the intangibles about you that, hey, you discovered, I do this that nobody else does. This is something that I can do that all the other girls in the business, they can't do this like I can, and that's what makes you unique and special. And as we go back and watch your matches, we can look for those things. What are those things? Oh, man. If it we're talking moves and stuff, I'm not that person. I've never been. My a gift, if anything, has been, um, and, and I would never sit here and say I'm the greatest at any of these things, but I feel like my gift, if anything, my strongest gift has been the ability to um, pull on people's emotions is to be able to perfect my craft enough to be able to not only tell that story as an artist, as an actress, if you will, with like the performances backstage, but to be able to still transcend that same story into the ring. A lot of times those stories get misconstrued. Like the story that they're trying to tell backstage isn't necessarily the story that's being told in the ring because it gets too convoluted with all these fancy moves. But like, and that's just my opinion, but like, I I just feel like, 
that art of the storytelling is something that I really try to, I would never, I wouldn't even say at this point I've mastered it, but I've tried to at least try to perfect it for myself, you know? And, um, I was really grateful because, you know, you know, they go through all these things, the different eras of the women's wrestling and stuff. But I'll be honest, when I first came into, into WWE and when I first started to be a wrestler, I just wanted to be a great wrestler and I wanted to be, go down as one of the greats. And I didn't want to go down as one of the best of the women. I wanted across the board. So that was always my perception of the industry. And I felt like, because maybe I thought like that, the opportunities that I got were not always, Oh, you're only going to get a, you know, gravy bowl match or whatever. Surely those things happened, but I also had was afforded a lot of opportunities with, for some really, really amazing matches that we don't always discuss. Like the falls count of anywhere match with Melina or like, you know what I mean? Like there was just different yeah. types of matches that were very competitive. I think for those time frames, but sometimes we paint these pictures like, Oh, it was the divas era. So they only got two minute matches. Well, not only, not everybody only got two minute matches. You know what I mean? Like sometimes there were right. those nights that the girls got all lumped in and we had an 18 girl tag match and we had four minutes to get it done. That was fun. But for the most part, you know what I mean? Like I felt like I was always given a lot of cool opportunities for women. And, and so I was fortunate about that, but I think that's a testament to maybe, my storytelling and the work I did, you know, like to get there, maybe, I don't know. That's exactly what I said before you came on uh, earlier in the show is your psychology and storytelling is what set you apart from the other female wrestlers at a time when that was not prevalent. And right. if I was going to do a fantasy booking and compare apples to apples, um, I would say that, what you were in the attitude era and afterwards shortly after the attitude era was what Sasha Banks is now both of y'all throw your bodies around with reckless abandon and you said that it wasn't about the moves but I've seen you do more off the top to the ring diving on people flipping from the ring to the floor and all of the stuff that's the most dangerous things that we do in our business and I say we loosely because I never did that shit no, thank you. <laughs> but you never I, gave up I, top rope once, Mark. I don't believe it. Viscera gave me a bill from the top rope one time, and I <laughs> said I would never go up there again, and I didn't in 24 years. <laughs> it, that shit happened in about oh, the this. third year of my career, and it took for me to retire 20 years later, <laughs> and, and it never happened again. But enough about that. Um, when I say that, how do you feel when you see women like Bailey and Sasha get 30 consecutive minutes to main event or to open a show in a time where they open a show because of what was going on on other streams of television with the political debate? And the WWE wanted to compete with that. They didn't right. choose the guys to grab the world on television. They chose right. two women. Like, how do yeah, you feel? Yeah, and that I think that's super powerful. And I, I mean, honestly, like Sasha and Bailey. I mean, they're probably you know right, especially right now. Like, they're probably the one of the two two best that we got. You know, like, and I think you say that about Sasha. That's so sweet. Like, 
the one thing that I think also that I've committed on, like, because I knew I wasn't going to be the one to go out there and like do like a triple moon salt off the top. I always try to commit. And I see this a lot with both of these girls. So when you, when you bring them up, um, commit to the cell, I always wanted to make my opponent look good. It was never about my shit. And I wanted to make sure I got my shit in. I wanted to make sure when I told the story that I, I, the people believed that that person was kicking my butt. I wanted to sell. I committed to the sell. I sold. I was not afraid to sell. I didn't think it made me look weak. I didn't think it made, it helped me tell the story. I think that's a common misconception that's happened across the board <clears throat> in wrestling is people are so worried about getting their shit in and looking strong and being strong and they've not committed to the sell. So now everybody is half committing to the sell. And what in turn is happening is the fans are half committing to caring because they there don't believe go. That you're Preach. in jeopardy. They don't believe that you're hurt. They believe that you're playing wrestler. And so they don't think that you care. So therefore they don't care. That's the problem. Wow. That's where this weird shift has happened. You know what I mean? Because everybody's, everybody's too much of a mark for themselves instead of a mark for the business and Woo. that's or and the story, you know, it's like a weird, uh, and I don't know if this is just like the way the business is changing. And maybe this is where I missed the boat because I never was that. And that mentality has always made me insane. And I could see it start to filter in, you know, the business. And as it slowed down, I'm going, Ooh, that's great. Can I slip an amen in there? Cause you, <laughs> yeah, I get it. <laughs> but that's really where, where it's now. It's like really prevalent where I never thought that that type of mentality would take a precedent in our company or even in the industry. But now it seems to be like, that is more than the people who have committed to the cell and to the characters, in my opinion. Like it used wow. to be like you had to be money on the mic and you had to be able to sell your butt off, especially as a baby face. Cause I spent the most of my career as a baby face. Even Shawn Michaels told me, it's not about the moves you do. Like you look at me, you look at Hunter, we do the same five moves to everybody, anybody, anywhere. He goes, I just sell. That's what I do. And I'm like, that is what he does. And he's like the best. I want to do that. Like, that's just my mentality. Okay. That's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to sell. And be the wow. best at selling. Hey, everybody. This is Fran Freshella, host of the podcast World of Basketball. The game of basketball has truly become a global game. Markovic buys it into Mickey. It somehow it goes in. Each week, I talk with the players, coaches, and executives who have led the way in growing the game of basketball around the world. Real Madrid have stolen victory from the jaws of defeat. Episodes are available every Thursday on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, and Apple podcasts rob what's your question for mickey well not really a question uh, i'm sitting here listening to you guys mickey mark uh dave hello, hello. Uh, mickey i don't hello. know if you remember me um uh she don't about six years ago mickey and i worked together in a local indie group down in berkeley springs west virginia and <gasps> i, wanted to I loved it there um, yes um, I wanted to attest to how real Mickey James is and how you guys are like how she's presenting herself today. Guys and all the listeners, you gotta understand this is Mickey James, um, the most down to earth person. You hold people you meet in life and heroes up on pedestals and some of them let you down. Mickey does not. Um, two things I want I wanna see if Mickey remembers this. Last time I met Mickey in Berkeley Springs she was being inducted into a Hall of Fame uh, down there. And her and my wife got to sitting and talking about a necklace that Mickey and my wife both had. 
Mickey, I don't know if you remember. It was while you were pregnant. Um, and she was just, my wife was just so fascinated with talking to her and just loved everything about, you know, their conversation. And then also, Mickey, I wanted to see if you remember uh, an unfortunate incident. The very first time I met you in Altoona, oh, Pennsylvania. <laughs> the Altoona, Pennsylvania. And the night your purse was taken by a fan. And I remember that. <laughs> Were you the one that saved the day? I was <gasps> one of the two along with Greg, yes. Um, and, uh. um, <laughs> and this is just how good of a person Mickey is. She didn't really go after the fan. She just wanted her purse back. All she cared about was having her purse with her money and her, her driver's licenses and stuff. And I believe your mother. So I could go home. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. Thank you so much for that. Two totally different stories. I was like, Oh, I love Berkeley Springs, West Virginia. If you guys have never been, you have to go. If you're into like small town USA, yeah, like kind of things, your like just don't bring your purse if you go. Yeah, it's so cute. Like they had George Washington's. It's like all mineral springs that run through this. I went back to the same promotion probably because of this town. I love this town so much because I went like three or four times when they said that you can come back for the Hall of Fame. I was like, oh, mom, you want to go to Berkeley Springs with me? <laughs> it's so cute. Anyway, because uh, we'd say this bread and breakfast in the middle of town, but the springs are all minerals done like they're old healing springs from like the Native Americans and stuff to the point where George Washington, he had like an actual like mineral springs tub made to where he would go and just lay in the waters, right? And they had like Roman bathhouses and it, anyway, beautiful town, beautiful, like little perfect, like little picturesque town. Um, the Altoona, Pennsylvania, I forget whether what had happened was, is at that promotion for whatever reason, there's myself, there was two females, I think working, was it myself and Jesse Bell? Was it Jesse Bell? At any rate, we're changing in the female, there's the bathroom, but it was supposed to be closed off to everyone else. It was only supposed to be for us. Or, and so I go out of there and I realized that somebody was in like the bathroom, so like a patron, like a normal person wasn't normal person. Somebody else was in the bathroom, right? Like, and I'm like, whatever we have to do intermission. Was it during intermission that it got stolen? I believe it's like, cause I had left all my stuff piled up because I still had to wrestle or whatever. I had left all my stuff, you know, in the locker room, but except for my merch bag to go sign during intermission or whatever. And so I get back and I'm getting ready for the match. So, and I realize that my purse is gone. My purse is gone. My wallet's gone. Everything is gone. Damn. Everything. She done come in there and took everything. And it's not like I keep a, an immense amount of cash on me because it's 2020. So everything that I carry is plastic. I might have very randomly will I ever have cash in my wallet. And if I do, it's probably like 10 bucks. You know, like it's not a whole lot to steal. Um, yeah, I didn't go. I was just so grateful to get my because I was like, how am I going to fly home? I don't have a license. How am I going to do this? All my credit cards all my like rewards cards, <laughs> like, you know, I'm trying to rack up my points. They're all gone. Yeah, my Hilton card is gone. <laughs> my loyalty card, my no, no, no. card. No, I'm just like this. She was clearly a cracky crackhead and it's unfortunate. You know what I mean? But like she had taken the whole thing and I'm sure she was sadly disappointed when she realized I don't carry cash because but they Where's didn't the they find it in the in the parking lot like 
or find her in the parking lot. She was still in the parking lot, never left, just hanging out. Wow. Well, at least you got that back, Mickey. And, oh, and Joe, off. thank you so much for the phone call. So grateful. Thank you so much for saving the day and my life. Good job, Superman. Yeah. That's what Altoona, Pennsylvania. I'm more of a star. I'm gonna call him Superman myself. from now. But on. but Mickey, like really quick, because you mentioned you mentioned Native American. I know that 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 heritage is so much so important to you, and it's Native American Heritage Month this month it that is. we're celebrating. So you know, just yeah. some thoughts about how important that is for you. Well, it's I think it's imperative that even in 2020 that we be redefined and and people remember that we're more than something else. You know what I mean? Because it's a pretty, it's, it's, it's quite an anomaly when you think about that a culture that was once 100% of the population of the United States of America is now less than 4% of the population close to like, which, you know, this is, and when most people think about native Americans and I, and I think this is something that I, I never wanted to play that. Oh, like native American character. I did do some, some as a, on like the reservation shows and stuff when I was first, coming up as like princess Alexis and stuff like that. But I've always tried to pull my heritage into like my outfits and stuff and inspired, but I was never like, Hey, I'm the native American because I don't think that I obviously grew up. And when you look at me, I have obviously native American features, but it's clear that I I grew up a white girl. You know what I mean? Like, so when I hear my grandmother tell me stories of growing up on the reservation and her skin is much darker than mine, you know, but it's, she's very native American looking like sure her bone structures and everything is just much more defined. But I just know that I, you know, I'm very proud of my heritage. And I think that it's a, it's a lost it's a lost, not only spiritual uh, plane, but it's also a loss, just like our traditions and stuff are getting, it's, it, there's less and less people learning. There's less people signing, you know, becoming the medicine man of the tribe. There's less people becoming the stone breakers who sit there and make like the arrowheads and stuff. And like all of our arts and traditions and stuff are slowly descending, you know? And, and so I, I find it, a, I always take Donovan to the powwows, even and he's probably looks like the little whitest boy of all, like with his little blonde hair running around, but he's got his full regalia. But that's the beautiful thing about these powwows is we embrace everybody. Like I grew up with such an eclectic family. I have, you know, black, white, German. I, I have all of these people who are all my family. You know what I mean? So because we as Native Americans, when my grandma would tell me, she's like, you know, it was either before, like when she was growing up, it was either you were either white or you were brown. There was no in between. There was never a box for Native American. There was never a box for anything else. So we always, she was always in the brown box. And I was like, well, that's kind of interesting or whatever. So she would just tell me all these stories. And I think that that's how, especially in America, there's been so much blending of like the African-American and Native American. There's so many of us that are like kind of blended anyway, that we have like a lot of the same because we were classified as the same for so long. You know what I mean? Except for we were shoved on reservations or whatever and told to eat some foul meat. And then, you know, the African-Americans were tortured and told to live in the basement. You know what I mean? Like it's like, or wherever the outhouse or it's just like a crazy it's America is so wild. And I think that you can't, in my opinion, we, if we forget and we just like blend it off, like, oh, that never happened. History can have a tendency to repeat itself yep. when you try to pretend like shit didn't happen. You know what I mean? Yeah, in different ways, maybe not in that exact same way, but in different ways. And I just feel like it's a shame because 
I don't feel like Native American history is being taught in our history books at school anymore because it's a, it was a massive genocide that we don't like to talk about and we don't like to admit that we do these things. But this is all a part of our crazy, crappy foundation that this whole country was built off of. You know what I mean? And you have to be aware of that and be smart to that so that way we don't do that crap again. It's you know a changing I mean? of the mindset and not forgetting and remembering that. That's 100% right. true. Hey everyone, this is Nicole Auerbach and I want to invite you inside the Coaches Clubhouse, a brand new podcast from SiriusXM that examines what drives coaches on and off the sidelines. We talk to coaches from all different sports and all walks of life about their passion for the profession, their mentors, philosophies, and stories and also what they care about when they're outside the spotlight. We'll give you a unique perspective on some of the greats in their profession, from Olympic coaches to Super Bowl champions and everyone in between. New episodes out every Wednesday on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. We heard for the first time, uh, we heard from uh, Jade Cargill. Which I, you know, and, and Bully and I talked about this yesterday. I thought she did a fantastic job. I really loved I that too. segment uh, between... Um, between Cody and her, a lot of people are like critical. I don't. I honestly don't understand why. I, I do. Did. I understand. Go ahead. I understand why they said that. Why? Why the fans were that way? Because of wrestling. The wrestling culture is one of the most brutal, cutthroat cultures of anything. We talked about this before. And in the NFL, they don't do that. In movies, they they do spoilers. Every now and then, you'll get a critical acclaim. But for the most part, wrestling tears and eats his own children. And um, I understand why they should be a little bit perturbed because it wasn't set up. Like it, it didn't, you didn't have any foresight or, or, or information about who the person was. So our business is about feeling and about caring and about having an emotional connection to a character. The character had no no introduction. It just came out of the blue. There was no so they felt like, okay, who, what is this? Who is this? Like, where is this coming from? Now they know. But you should have a little foreplay, if you will, and there was none, zero. I'm talking about straight from clothes off to humming, 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 humming. Well, there was I mean, no foreplay. <laughs> All right. And I understand what you're saying, Mark. And Bully said the same thing yesterday, too. But you know what? Like He said fine. there was no foreplay? Well, he didn't say foreplay. He didn't, he didn't word it the same way you did, Mark. But the, the message was the same. But, like, and I understand. <laughs> he said about, hey, you know what? Have her at ringside. Shout out. Cody here. Is, you know, there's, there's a way you could have brought her in to the segment. And I understand all that. Yeah. But it good, doesn't take good. away from what she created. And honestly, Mark, what she created, I feel, was the mo- best moment we ever got from Brandy on AEW. The exactly. fire between Jade and Brandy was unconscious. I thought it was a fantastic, you know, just the, the fire between those two. And I've been waiting to get Brandy on that level. I've been waiting for Brandy to have some fire. And, they, you know, there's Jade making innuendos about her husband. Forget about Cody Rhodes, the wrestler. That's her husband that was in that ring. And she was right. making these sly remarks. She was making these innuendos. And, like, she got pissed off and was like, and that's why I kind of liked that there was no introduction. Because Brandy was basically like, who the hell are you? Who are you? 
Who the hell are you to step into this ring on this show that my husband created and talk shit like you're doing right now? I thought that was wonderful. And then Brandy said what she had to say, was like, get out of here. You're not supposed to be here. I have no idea who you are. She walks off, and then Jay gives her a little slap in the ass. And I'm like, holy shit. You talk about a holy shit It's moment. about to go down. Yes. Like, I thought... Like you, could you make little tweaks here and there? Sure, sure. I mean, you can say that about anything, but like to get that kind of fire from somebody who have you have no idea who she is, and then Brandy, where you've never seen that side of her, I thought that segment to me was an A. And you, you always need somebody to bring it out of you, and for me, that that guy was Randy Orton and Daniel Bryan and Big Show. Those three guys, they made me want to perform better. And there was a point, I forget which match it was with me and Big Show, and we talked about this with the veterans um, on, 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 um, um, I guess that was Tuesday. Veterans Day? On Veterans Day. Was that Tuesday? Uh, veterans Day was Wednesday. Wednesday, on Wednesday. I was wanting to be home because it was my kid's birthday and uh, JoJo's birthday. And I was pissed that I had to be at work because I wanted, I really wanted to be off. And me and Big Show was having this match and he was like, come on, man, you got to pick it up. And I'm kind of like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And he chops the living shit out of me. And I went, why did you do that? And now I'm fired up. He said, that's who I want. Come on, bring it. And I was like, don't do that again, man. <laughs> like, whatever you do, don't do that again. But he brought it out of me. You know what I'm saying? And that's what I think Jay did to Brandy. Like, that was really good TV. And for whatever reasons that I understand, the fans kind of scoffed at Jay making her appearance. Nonetheless, the segment was a success because the world of wrestling is talking about her right now. Thanks for listening. Catch us Monday through Saturday on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM. Fight Nation, Channel 156. The Busted Open Podcast. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.